pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, I'm so glad you joined me here today. I am excited to introduce you to an old friend of mine on today's podcast episode, Naomi DeBoard Bivens. Now, Naomi and I go back quite a few years. She used to lead a women's Bible study I was a part of, and she has a real gift for getting people together and for teaching the Word of God. She is authentic through and through, and I know that you're going to enjoy today's podcast episode. Her family actually was going through the foster care process around the time that I knew her, and so she actually played a key role in my interest in foster care and adoption as well. I love Naomi, and I think that you will too. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Okay, well, welcome, Naomi, to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, Jenny. Yeah, I'm Naomi DeBoard Bivens, and I always like to start off by saying that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I'm married to a man who keeps me honest. His name is Andy, and also a mother to three. Um, as far as my uh, what I do in life, I was educated as an engineer, but um, whenever I became a stay-at-home mother to my oldest child, I discovered a uh, curiosity and a calling uh, to teach and uh, encourage others in their relationships with Christ. And so where I currently am now is as a pastor at the Foundation Church in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. And we uh, are just a three-year-old church plant, but we have just this um, great little community of people who desire to know Christ and to show his love to the world. And so uh, I'm excited to be here today just to be able to talk with you. And I enjoy your podcast a lot. So this is really an honor for me. So thank you for asking. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so I'm excited because I've known you for a long time and I was just, we were just talking before the podcast. It's fun to catch up because you did move away a few years ago. So I haven't gotten to see you as much, but yeah. when we did hang out a few years ago, it was because you were leading a mom's small group. Perfect. I don't know where we met, maybe the library. I don't know. I think you have I a gift for picking people up. It was the YMCA pool where we okay. met. Um, and I don't, I think our kids were just playing in the pool and we had seen each other a couple of times, like in passing, but that's the first yeah. real time that I think that we spoke. Um, yeah, but you definitely yeah. have this gift for like picking people up and including them, I think. <laughs> and so you like got together this little ragtag group of all kinds of women from all over <laughs> our city, I think. And it was so fun. So when you and your husband moved away, you started a church together, and now I think you've gone to seminary and I mean all kinds of things. Can you share yeah. some of the story of how the Lord led you into full-time ministry? Yeah, it really started with the moms groups. Um, and at first I was going as a participant uh, whenever we lived in South Carolina. And then when I moved to Hickory, which is where I met you, there was a, uh, a need for women's groups leaders at our church. And so I just realized, well, I've met a few people because we were new to the area and I, I do do that. I just introduced myself to people and knew several women who might want to join in. And so that's where the Lord really started developing um, what I realized was a call uh, to ministry. And uh, it was through the women's groups that first started out with the moms groups, which led to women's life groups, which led to inspire women's ministry. 
And that was a biannual conference uh, where I would speak uh, twice a year. And it was through all of that that I was invited um, by the senior pastor at the time to share my perspective as a woman on the uh, teaching team, which is where the campus pastors would get together and they would talk through the sermons for the week. And so they would just ask me my perspective um, as a woman. And I just got got to be able to witness the strength and the beauty of what God meant when he said, I will make them in our image, male and female, that we're the same substance with unique perspectives. And there's something about both of our perspectives that reveals the fullness of the gospel even more beautifully. And so that togetherness in ministry is a gift. And after we moved to Wilkesboro is whenever I began to explore that call and decided I need to couple uh, my gifting with instruction. And so I attended seminary at uh, Asbury Theological Seminary and earned a master's in leadership, Christian leadership. And uh, my husband and I, it's been a joy to work alongside him. He leads worship and uh, does the administration of the church. And I do the teaching, preaching, and counseling side. And so we truly work together um, in the giftings that we've been given. And so, uh, and it was never anything I had planned. This is definitely something God (laughs) brought forward. In fact, if you would have asked me five years ago if I would be doing this, I would have told you there was no way I would be doing this. But uh, God not only provided the community of the church uh, through miraculous ways, we actually, one of the first couples who we invited to the church, we hadn't even invited them yet. We just invited them to dinner and they sat down at our table uh, just here in the same room with me. And we just asked them, where are you attending church? And the wife literally said, well, we're kind of struggling right now. We don't, we don't really have a church home that we're attached to. However, if somebody would just put a church in that little building 200 yards from our house, that's where we would go. And unbeknownst to them, (laughs) that is the building we had just uh, leased. And we were going to ask them to start the church. Oh, wow. So so we were able to say, well, actually, that's exactly why we invited you here tonight. And this is the way the Lord works. And he uh, has always worked in our lives that he um, puts something on our hearts and we make a move in faith. And then he just brings so much more. And since that moment, We've not only been able to lease the building, but we had some angel donors come forward who are helping us purchase the building and we'll actually have it paid off in the next two to three years. So it's just been miraculous to see how God has moved um, and just the way that he has uh, blessed even our feeble efforts (laughs) whenever we uh, struggle. So we're just, uh, I'm just grateful that I get to see and witness what he's doing. That is super cool. I did not know that story. That's awesome. (laughs) Going to church has changed for a lot of people in the last year. And now you're leading a church. I know that's probably difficult. How has it been to lead a church through a pandemic? What have you guys been doing? Yeah, I was trying to think of words that could describe it. Um, (laughs) I'm a very face-to-face person. I enjoy face-to-face interaction. So in one sense, um, it's been reforming in a way, me trying to understand the different avenues of ministry that are available. But uh, in another way, it had been draining because I am such a face-to-face person. And still yet in other ways, it's been wonderful because we are reaching people through our Facebook live stream 
that we would have never reached before. And so uh, like I just mailed a discipleship guide to somebody in Ohio. Um, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> you know, um, it's opened up new doors in certain ways. And in other ways, it's it's just changed the methods of ministry that I was used to. And that's why it was kind of draining in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I would say it's getting better, but um, it's been revealing just the ways how I'd kind of gotten attached to method instead of really focusing on relationship. So mm-hmm. it's been reforming for me, most definitely. Okay. So I was telling you, I thought of a question that I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. <laughs> And didn't tell you about it ahead of time. So here (laughs) it comes. You ready? (laughs) It kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, I feel like when I think about you, I think about community because exactly like I said before, because you were able to kind of bring people in and include them and you do have a gift for teaching, but you definitely have a gift for, I think, pulling people in and making them feel like they belong. And so as you're talking about method versus relationship, what does community mean to you and like, how are you forming that right now in your church? Wow. That's a and great you can question. Take, you can take time to think if you need to. <laughs> so community to me is about deep connection. It's not simply a surface level, hey, I'm an acquaintance with that person. It's a sense of I belong here. And this is, these are my people, you know. and. I also think community uh, naturally has with it a sense of purpose or shared outcome, if that makes sense, that when we're in true community with each other, then we're not only concerned for ourselves, but we are truly concerned for others. And so in the church, what that has looked like, has it been actually very individual uh, in a sense, because each person during this time has different levels or different ways that they feel included. And so for me as a pastor, it's been actually a lot of discernment and I don't think I'm there yet, (laughs) Uh, but on determining what the best way is for each person in the congregation to know that they're included, to know that they're part of the community, to know that we pray for each other and that if, if they need us, then we'll be there for them. And so Uh, In our church currently, we have about half people who attend in person. We're only about, we only have about 40 people. So, you know, we have half attend in person where we mask and social distance and respect each other's desires that way. Um, But we also have another half who are watching online uh, and some who don't actually have access online. And so that looks like a phone call each week or it just depends to me on the person. And that's where I think that relationship piece comes in with community because uh, the connection of community looks different, but it's still that sense of mutual belonging yeah. that we're trying to foster. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? Yeah, it does, for sure. I know I'm a face-to-face kind of girl, and so yeah. I think screens have been difficult for me that way. Like, I enjoy being at home. There's something cozy about that. Like, I don't, <laughs> I can wear whatever pants right. I want, so that's fabulous, but but the seeing people touching people missing that part of the belonging has been difficult so yeah i think that's a great way of talking about it i think belonging Mm -hmm. is is the key piece there do people feel like they belong like these are my people still yeah so that's awesome yeah and i was going to say that the pandemic has also and and just the the social 
dynamic of our society right now. It's revealed our uh, possible divisions. And Mm -hmm. so I've been heartened to see in our church community where we find, and this is why we named the church what we named it, the foundation of the Mm -hmm. community uh, so that um, we can still have very different ways of expressing our faith in love, but still uh, come together on the foundation of what really matters, which is uh, faith in Christ and community in Christ. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Okay. So recently you wrote an article for Christianity Today, which I saw that and I was like, what? (laughs) She wrote for Christianity Today? That's awesome. And you were like, that's That's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How did that happen? So uh, (laughs) it actually started I wrote the article before the pandemic hit back in January or February of last year. And it was actually on a sick day of mine. I was actually processing some things that had happened. Part of the story actually and how it opens with a friend of mine who uh, was, uh, had come to church and had just injected uh, a substance and I was processing. And so sometimes whenever I'm processing things, I write it, write it out. And so as I was writing it, Uh, it came to me that other people might need to read this. This might be encouraging for others who are going through the same type of situations. And I reached out to my friend, the one I mentioned in the story, and uh, they said, you know, feel free to share it because I I think this is good. And um, so I literally took a random shot and just emailed it to the submissions at Christianity Today. It was contacted by one of their editors uh, he was a great guy and he, he did a wonderful job editing. I was like, he made me sound so much better than the actual article I sent him. I love editors. They're fantastic. And so he said, and this is hilarious. Uh, I say hilarious. It was actually kind of sad at the time. He emailed me back. It was the last week of February, beginning of March. And he said, I can't wait to publish this article, but I'm going to wait until all this news about this virus over in uh, that started, we think, in China. And we're going to wait to publish it so, so it doesn't get lost in the news. And then I didn't hear from him for six months. Because <laughs> oh. we all know, you know yeah. we we're all uh, trying to adjust and uh, we're very concerned and navigating our way through this pandemic. And so after I reread the article, I was like, this doesn't even fit anymore because a lot of it was very hands-on, very meet together, very, you know, and at that time we were all, um, and still social distancing. And so I revamped it slightly with what I'd learned through the pandemic. I also had attended a virtual training for recovery coaching online. So I'm a certified recovery coach now. And through those, uh, we finally got it to where it needed to be for the time that we're in. And so uh, I was just happy that I was able to get it out into the world because uh, I got a lot of response from it, from people who were saying, this is exactly what I'm walking through. And I Mm. feel so alone, not only because substance addiction can feel that way, but Mm. also because of the pandemic, which was kind of doubling it, you know, not only uh, isolated through addiction, but isolated through um, the pandemic. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the addiction side of that, because I think, I mean, that hasn't been something I've talked a ton about on this podcast, but it is, I mean, it affects the church just like it affects 
everything else because it affects people and people are part of the church. And in our general area, I mean, you don't live in the same city as me, but I'm going to say in our general area, I think it tends to be one of the high spots for opioid addiction, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Although it's a problem everywhere. So it's not like it's just where we live, but um, can you share how you came face to face with addiction and how your thoughts have changed about addiction, recovery, faith? Yeah. um, First, which is interesting my first uh, being impacted by addiction um, was actually through the adoption of our son. He's, mm-hmm. uh, we were foster parents and his biological mother um, was um, uh, used several different substances in utero, which is why we had the opportunity to adopt our son. And so uh, that started, that kind of opened the door and to me investigating uh, just for him what his risks down, uh, you know, in his life might be. And so uh, after that, uh, we had some close friends who were dealing with addiction and substance use. And what's interesting to me at that point in my life was how, uh, and I, you know, I was very selfish in my thoughts at that point, because I, I really only thought about how it impacted me and my family yeah. instead of thinking of, uh, the larger issue. And so I really needed to be educated. Mm-hmm. And so I began reaching out for that education. And then the Lord uh, provided some friends here in Wilkes and they were able to essentially let me be included in their recovery walks. They were open enough to be honest about what they were struggling with and how they might uh, have returned to use and just how open they were about it. And that there was something about that honesty that was like, this is what the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This, this is what we are supposed to be doing. We are supposed to have and be a place where it is safe enough for us to confess uh, what we have done wrong. And then to be told, you know, and to know that God forgives us for mm-hmm. what we have done and then to walk forward in repentance. Yeah, and I just loved that beauty. And so our church community has been such a blessing to me because, um, I, and I think it's a, it's a little over half of people in our congregation who've been directly uh, um, impacted by substance abuse addiction of some sort. Wow. And so we have people who've been walking in recovery for over two to three decades. And then we have people who have returned to use within the past year. And so it's nice to have that continuum because we get to speak into each other's lives uh, yeah. and help each other still know our value and our identity in Christ. Um, mm-hmm. That has definitely been heightened as I've been studying all of these issues that each human life is valuable. Uh, and so we're worth the effort. Yeah. The effort. Yeah. There is this TED Talk, which I don't know that everybody would agree with everything that's said on this TED Talk, but, and it basically posits that the opposite of addiction is not being sober. The opposite of addiction is connection. And I don't know that I agree with everything that he says, but I do think there's something about addiction that likes to live in secrecy and shame. And so recovery is almost, I would say, completely impossible without really good community. So whether that looks like 
a recovery group. But I think Mm -hmm. that if the church can be that, I think that we need the church. Like that is God's recovery group for life. Is it not? (laughs) It is. (laughs) That's where we grow and learn together. So yeah, I love that so much. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it's been uh, a learning process for me, most definitely in how judgmental I was and how uh, I I was, I was viewing it as something that was other than whenever Mm. it's something that can be very common to us all. And so, Mm. uh, yeah, most definitely um, have enjoyed walking it out in community with others because it's, it's opened my eyes to a lot. So usually on the podcast, I like to ask people what their favorite scripture is, but for you, I'm going to change it a little bit because we talked a bit beforehand and the Lord's been um, working through some stuff in Revelation with you. So I wanted to ask you instead, what is the Lord teaching you right now? Yeah, we've been doing a series on Revelation. We actually just started it last week, but uh, previous to this, I'd been studying and reading and there was this phrase that just kept sticking out. Um, and it's in the first, uh, it's in the second chapter and the third chapter. It's repeated seven times to the one who is victorious or some translations say to the one who overcomes it's this phrase. And what's interesting is whenever it's inserted in there, it doesn't necessarily say what's being overcome and how to actually overcome it. It says to the one who overcomes. So my curiosity was, uh, piqued by this. And so I just went doing a word search through the scriptures about overcome and victorious. And so, because they're translated kind of similarly or differently in different translations. And I came across these verses in first John five, and I'm, I'm going to read one of them. It's first John five, four through five, actually two of them. And it says for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And what we've been studying through Revelation is that when we often think of overcoming and victorious, we think of almost like a domineering, I've won this and you lost this. Uh, It's it's almost um, adversarial. You're like conquering. Yes, exactly. But as we've been, as I've been reading Revelation, the one who overcomes is the one who's covered by the blood of Christ and who uses the word of their testimony to offer that same overcoming and that same victory to others. And so uh, my ideas of living victoriously have been changed dramatically by looking through Revelation, because I think before living victoriously would have seemed adversarial in a way, you know, it would have been like, you know, I'm the one doing good things and right things, but, uh, the Lord has definitely, um, checked my pride on that, that it's more about a submission to the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. And when we submit ourselves to the teachings of Christ and we actually act on those and obey those in our lives, that is what victory in the Christian life looks like. And I think during this time, whenever we've all felt like we've lost a lot, we've had a lot of loss from death, uh, loss from our jobs, loss from family relationships that we're not being able to engage in, that God is still saying to us, you can live victoriously through this. Uh, and it's not out of your own strength. It's, it's by the, the power of my spirit that you too can overcome the world. 
and not in a way that is domineering or uh, creating enemies, but that is actually inviting others into the victory with you. And so I think especially during this time, it's just needed because Uh of how adversarial everything has become, uh, how politicized our interactions have become. And so it's it's just been um, refreshing to me uh, to be reminded of what living victoriously actually looks like. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I absolutely love actually about doing this podcast is that I actually get to listen to these podcasts multiple times because I get to listen to it while we talk. Editing. I get to right. listen to it while I edit. And then I get to listen to it again later to check again to make sure I edited it correctly. And so by the time I finish, I've listened to it multiple times and I sort of have them memorized. But but I love it because I get to go back and really reflect on what's the wisdom that some of my guests have really said. So I'm going to go back and chew on some of what you just said. I think that was really good. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, God, he's just been very clear through a lot of this about the focus and not getting distracted. So I've been trying not to get distracted. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, It's interesting. My church is going through Revelation right now, too. What's up with that? Really? Yeah, it must be a thing. The Holy Spirit. I actually, I had people request it. They were very interested in learning it and I'd actually put them off for a long time (laughs) I was like we're not there yet we're just not there and then the Lord he was like it's time it's time I was like okay Lord um I think there's some truth here that needs to be focused on so Mm -hmm. and he was right obviously (laughs) one thing that I'm doing this podcast season a little bit more is focusing on soul care Mm. um and I don't want to overbeat that drum but at the same time as a christian counselor who specifically works with women i know that we don't always do a good job of taking care of ourselves so self-care is one thing soul care i think incorporates the spiritual aspects as well of taking care of our whole selves so for you right now what does soul care look like yeah what's interesting whenever you ask this question is my mind immediately went to like physical care you know like exercising and making sure i'm eating right and then i was like no that's not quite what I feel like the question is once but I thought about it a little bit. More, I think that is part yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So that's where my brain went first. But the more I thought about it and I was really asking, how do I care for my soul during this time? I'd never really put words around it, but it was very clear to me once I thought about it that way. I have been practicing the awareness of God more. So just for example, from uh, Psalm 23, uh, you know, Psalm, most of us know the Lord is my shepherd. There's a line that says he refreshes my soul or he restoreth my soul. If you know it in the KJV. I actually have a picture up on my wall right now that says he restores my soul. Psalm 23. Yeah. Right there on the wall. That I've realized that with soul care, I have to be the one who's intentional about letting God tend to my soul because, you know, he, he's the, he's the farmer, he's the pruner, he's the, uh, the one who makes things grow. And so if I'm not taking that time specifically in relationship with him, then my soul gets very frantic and anxious, uh, and drained. But whenever I'm remembering him with me, then it restores me and refreshes me as, uh, the Psalm says, and it's something I can practice at any time. So Mm -hmm. it's not, uh, you know, at 8am in the morning, it's 
literally as many times during the day as I can become aware that he is with me and he is with you and he is with all of you who are listening on this podcast that um that we're not alone in even sitting uh physically alone in our rooms that we're Mm -hmm. spiritually held um and tended to yeah amen and amen (laughs) <laughs> let me let my dog out I was like yeah I, I see her but she's, been, like, oh. she's been so quiet well she's about to go outside and bark now because we have construction crews outside of our house oh. fixing the road but I have to let her out so. <laughs> um. okay well is there anything that you wanted to say today that I didn't ask you about or that we didn't get to I don't think so um yeah, I didn't have anything else like that. I really, I'm just going through my notes just a little bit. What's on? What's hilarious is I barely looked at my notes. So hopefully I can. <laughs> but that's what I prayed for before I got on here because I know it's much more conversational because I tend to be somebody who wants to be very scripted. And God is like, I'll give you what you need to say. You know, I'll give you what you need to say. So um, yeah, I think I feel good about it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was really fun to have you and to get to catch up. Oh, it's always a joy, Jenny, to talk to you and just even to have the time to be able to do so. So thank you for taking time uh, to have this little chat with me and also to make me think and to ask me questions about soul care and how we're dealing with in this pandemic. So thank you for your encouragement and just what you do um, every day through this. Thanks again, Naomi, for being on today's podcast episode. It is always a joy to talk to you, and I had so much fun reconnecting. Friends, if you want to read the article that Naomi wrote for Christianity Today, I will link to that in today's show notes. If something you heard on today's podcast episode resonated with you, I would love to hear about it. You can comment under today's show notes or join the conversation on PRN's Facebook page. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do me a favor and go share it with your friends. You know you can always find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pause Renew Next. And you can keep up with podcasts and new blog posts on the website, pauserenewnext.com. Well, that's all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN, Pause Renew Next, the podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.